So it's the passage I read at the beginning of worship, but let's read through it again. And as we do so, let's just um, think about these things that came forward from the birth of Jesus and the announcement of his coming. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed uh, to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name. Jesus. So Lord, would you add to this reading of the scripture, your blessing, your presence, and would you, by the power of your spirit, Lord, just uh, minister to us tonight and open up something here for us to, to cling to and to grow with and to be encouraged by this evening. And Lord, let this Christmas, Christmas in a sense, be different than the other Christmases we've experienced. May we be more aware of your presence and more aware of your love for us as we consider these things. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I've said before, and I'll say again, that when we are um, coming to these holidays, Christmas and Easter in particular, there's only a few passages in the Bible that apply to those holidays. And so we, by default, end up, in a sense, going over the same passages year by year. And this always reminds me of how Israel celebrated the seven feasts. And they did this because God gave them a marker. He gave them a memorial stone because these were things about his character and his nature and how he took care of his people that he wanted them to remember. And so we come to such a thing this year uh, in looking at the birth of Christ here in Matthew's gospel. Tomorrow morning we'll be looking at the story in Luke's gospel in our devotional time. And so we see here that it starts out in verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ. And notice a little further down in verse 21. It says, and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And then down in verse 23, it says, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So we'd like to focus this evening on these names. And of course, in verse one, it says Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ and Emmanuel. So when it says now the birth of Jesus Christ, it's interesting that in that day, as the angel came and told Joseph, of course, what was going to happen and also spoke to Mary, 
that the name Jesus was actually the, the Jewish name or the Hebrew name Joshua, which comes from the Hebrew, which means Jehovah is salvation. And uh, Joshua in that day was as today we might think of something like the name, you know, Ken or Mike, um, you know, very common name for that time. So the name Jesus was, or Joshua was a very, very common name. So it's interesting that, you know, as you think about people today, and I know so many people, uh, as they're choosing names for their children, they always want to choose something really unique, or perhaps even name for a namesake coming through the family. But here the Lord chose a common name for his son, not one that stood out, not one that was unique, not one that everyone would remember because it was such a unique name, but rather a very common name. But in that name, in the name Joshua, was the name of God, wasn't it? Uh, the, The name where it says Jehovah is salvation. So the birth of Jehovah is salvation, and he says here, Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together. And twice in this passage, we are told very specifically that Joseph and his betrothed wife Mary had not come together yet in a sexual union. They had not consummated their marriage. And this is very important for us because there is a prominent doctrine today and I'm certainly not here to to bash another faith, but the Catholic Church says that uh, Mary was a virgin, and they they espoused this doctrine called the perpetual virginity of Mary, and they, through that virginity, attribute to her some godlike qualities, and they say that she is a co-redemptress with Jesus Christ. And we find out in this passage here that even though she was, of course, the virgin mother of our Lord, of deity, that Joseph and she did come together, and we know through the Gospels that she had many other children, including James, the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote the epistle of James. So it's important to read our Bibles and let our Bibles inform our opinion and our understanding as opposed to simply believing and trusting in what the church or some other institution has told us. So after Mary was betrothed to Joseph, And in that culture, of course, a betrothal uh, was something that happened before they actually came together in marriage, and they were considered as good as as married during this period of time. In fact, if they were to break off the marriage, they would have had to have sought a, a certificate of divorce in order to separate. That's how serious and how recognized the betrothal period was leading up to the time of them actually coming together and taking vows in marriage. And it says there in verse 18, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Something the scriptures give attestation to over and over about Mary with the birth of Jesus is that the seed of uh, our Lord Jesus was not the sperm or the, the, the seed of a man, but it was the seed of God himself that the egg carried within her womb was impregnated by the Holy Spirit himself, by the third person of the Trinity, by God. And thus he had no human father, so to speak. He had a divine father and a human mother. But Joseph in verse 19, being a just man, we are told, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away. In other words, when he found out that she was pregnant, 
and they were betrothed, but they had never come together. He was convinced something had happened, but he was a kind and a gentle man. He was a righteous man, and he didn't want to make her a public example. So in other words, he didn't want to carry out this whole public divorce proceeding. So he wanted to find a way to put her away secretly. And he was doing what any man in that period of time would have done had he found out that his, his wife, the woman he was engaged to, was now pregnant. And of course, you would assume the natural thing, which was she had had relations with another man. And in verse 20, we're told, and this is where the grace of God comes in, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And I love how the Lord spoke first to Mary, and now he's speaking to her husband, Joseph, And I think it's so important for us in our relationships in like manner to be able to say that we've sought the Lord together and we've heard from him and we have a common bond and a unity through the Lord ministering his word to us. So while Joseph thought about these things, about doing what he thought was the right thing, the Lord intervened in his life, came to him in a dream as he was sleeping and told him, this is of the Holy Spirit, don't mess with it, Joseph. And she will bring forth a son, verse 21, and you shall call his name Jesus, again his name mentioned, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, when I think about, of course, we've already had our children and they're grown, but the Lord coming to us, you know, during that pregnancy phase and and saying to us if he would do such a thing, you know, this child, I want you to name this child this, and this child has a purpose upon his or her life and here's what I'm going to do in their life and how I'm going to work in their life and what a precious thing that would be if the Lord did that. And I've heard many people where they felt like the Lord has spoken that to them. But in this case, of course, as the Lord is speaking these things, we know what will happen. We know it will take place. And notice he says in verse 21 that the purpose for this This child named Jesus or Joshua is for he will save his people from their sins. In other words, that's his namesake. Jehovah is salvation. And so the purpose for which this child is being born is specifically to save his people from their sins. Now this description of the work of Jesus here that he will save people from sin reminds us that Jesus meets us in our sin. He meets us where we are, but his purpose is to save us from our sins. And we are reminded that he first saves us from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and from the presence of sin. And just to unpack that briefly, he saves us from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin is the the just declaration against us is it's as if we were found guilty of some crime. We've gone before a court of law and we've been declared guilty and now we come to the sentencing phase. And let's just say the sentencing is life in prison. And now as we come to the judge, we have someone who intervenes and says, no, I'm taking care of this for them. I'm, it's not like he's just paying a bail. He's saying, no, I'm paying the penalty. I'm taking care of of this person's sin. 
In other words, judge, I want to go to jail to pay for that person's sin. So Jesus saves us from the penalty of sin, but then he saves us from the power of sin. And as long as we are without God, as long as we are without Jesus, as long as we refuse to come to him and to believe in him and to accept his finished work on the cross and receive all that he has done for us, then we are under the power of sin. But once we come to him, we are freed from the power of sin. And then finally, from the presence of sin. You see, we in the flesh, uh, sin dwells in us. Paul said in Romans 7, I find that in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. And then he comes to the end of that passage where he says those things I, I don't want to do, I find myself doing, but the things I want to do, I have a hard time doing. He then comes to that, that section in Romans chapter 7 where he says, oh, wicked sin, oh, wicked flesh, you know, who will come and save me? And he says, but thanks be to God who saves me. And so Jesus saves us from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and from the presence of sin. And this was the reason that he was being sent into the world by his Father. So in verse 22, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Before we get to that, I want to mention back in that earlier verse, it says that his name, now the brother, the birth of Jesus Christ. So we've looked at the name Jesus. We want to look briefly at the title of Christ. The word Christ simply means anointed one, but it also means Messiah. So Christ anointed one, Messiah. So we find also in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Jesus came to save us from our sin. Jesus is Messiah. And he would come and, hang on here, something going on on my phone. Sorry about that. And he came to save us from our sin. And then we are told that his name would be called Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So God saving us from our sin, Jesus being the anointed one of God, the Messiah, whom the Old Testament spoke of, and now his name also being called Emmanuel, God with us. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my, in my sin or when there's been a failure or you know I've said or done something that's hurt someone, so often I want to be alone in my misery or my sin, but God won't leave us alone. He sends his son, Jesus, whose name is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And I'd like to read this little reflection to you about uh, the name or the title of Emmanuel. So this refers to both his deity, that God is with us, but it also refers refers to his identification and his humanity in that God is with us. So he is God come in the flesh to be with us, to be near us. This person asks, in what sense then is Christ God with us? Jesus is called Emmanuel or God with us in his incarnation, God with us by the influences of his Holy Spirit, uh, in the preaching of his word, in private prayer, and God with us through every action of our lives, that we begin, continue, and end in his name, 
He is God with us to comfort us, to enlighten us, to protect us, to defend us. In every time of temptation and trial, in the hour of death, in the day of judgment, and God with us, God in us, and we with and in him throughout all eternity. So understanding that God came to be with us, and of course he said in the book of Hebrews, I will never leave you nor will I ever forsake you. So why is the, the birth of Jesus Christ so important? Because God is inaugurating, he's instituting all of these things. And we find in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 1, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. And aren't you so grateful, I know I am, that Joseph was willing to hear the word of the Lord, to respond to the word of the Lord, and to be obedient, to do exactly what God told him to do. And in other words, even though this thing, thing happened, just as it was written, you know, Joseph was, by human law, able to put her away and to say, I don't want to, to be with her because she had violated our trust. But God had spoken and said, no, she's doing what I've called her to do. I'm the one who has brought her to this place. And so Joseph being willing to do this is in essence doing what Peter said, where he said that love covers a multitude of sins. Now she had not sinned, but he's willing to love her to cover this, to cover what would appear to others to be sin. And it says in verse 25, and he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. He obeyed the Lord. And just looking on a little bit further into chapter 2 here. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea and the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east, excuse me, from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So it's interesting how the Lord had spoken to, to Mary and to Joseph, and he said that uh, my son is going to be born to you, Mary, and, and through you, and Joseph, you're to become his earthly father and to oversee and, and to take care of him. But now God, having spoken to this couple and taking them through this process, God is now spreading the word himself in other ways. God has spoken to these wise men, and they've seen his east, his east, they've seen his star in the east, and they've come to worship him. So when they came looking for him, King Herod, as, as he heard that these wise men had come looking, became troubled. And of course, he was troubled because he heard that a king had been born. And he saw him, of course, as a direct threat to the throne, even though it would be many years in the future. And so he gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and he acted sort of holy and sort of righteous. And he says, oh, I'd like to inquire of you where this Christ would be born. And so they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child, acting kind of pious here. And when you found him, bring back word to me, you know, I'd like to come and worship him also. So when they heard the king, they departed, they had their instructions, and they were going to 
worship Jesus and behold the star which they had seen in the east went before them so God was divinely leading them which every time I read this I think how amazing it is that God himself would take a star not just like a spotlight or some bright flashlight or something like that but a star and orient it in such a way that it would lead them directly to the spot where the child was and so this was obviously the doing of God himself overseeing the birth of his son, the announcing of the birth of his son. It says in verse 10, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, so when they came to the place, and apparently God had this little spotlight shining right down on the house where they were staying. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Some have said that, of course, gold would be gifts fit for a king and frankincense and and myrrh, you know, perhaps spices for his burial. And then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So interesting how the Lord himself began to get the word out to other people, to these wise men. And of course, we know uh, he also spoke to shepherds out in the country by night. And so God himself was spreading the word about Jesus, the Christ, Emmanuel. And in fact, this, this situation with Herod here happened probably somewhere close to two years later. So uh, the Lord uh, spreading the name, spreading the word of Jesus that he had come into the earth so that people would be aware that the Messiah had come. And it's interesting as we read through the scriptures that the next time we really hear about Jesus is when he's 12 years old. And then we see him, the Messiah, coming onto the scene and beginning to sort of take a step forward. But then after this 12-year-old incident, the next time we see him is much later in life, probably another 10 or 12 years later, or maybe even 20 years later, when Jesus comes onto the scene and begins to take his place as the Father has ordained it. And we often wonder in those years that we don't have an accounting or a reckoning of what happened in Jesus's life. What did he do? And we, we, you know, there's only theories and speculations on what some people have written But certainly the Lord prepared him. The Lord raised him in a family. The Lord uh, did all those things in his life as a human being that uh, all of us go through as families. Jesus experienced family life. But when it came time to step forward into the limelight, so to speak, and to begin to minister, and to begin to carry out what all of his names meant, Jesus began that ministry by being filled with the Holy Spirit. But the wonderful thing is that he was not only filled with the Spirit that day when he got baptized by John, but he was also filled with the Holy Spirit in a sense from birth because his, his mother was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And why do I mention that? Because without the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, we're just people. We're just struggling people walking through life. But when the Spirit of God is not only in our lives, but present, when He is God with us, 
when we allow him to be the spirit that he wants to be with us, then we don't have to struggle. We don't have to worry. We know that God said he would be with us. Remember Jesus said when he went back to be in heaven at the end of his, his time on the earth after his crucifixion, he said in John 14, 15, 16, he said, if I do not go, I cannot send the helper, the Holy Spirit to be with you. So even in this name, Emmanuel, God with us, was not just his birth in his 33 or 34 years on the earth, but when he left and he sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost to be with his church, he was perpetuating and carrying forth the name Emmanuel, God with us. So here we are today. God is with us. And as we celebrate his birth and we remember that he came, and he came for all of these reasons and more, The question for us is, have we allowed him to come into our lives? Have we desired him to come into our lives? Have we welcomed him to come into our lives? And are we willing to let him send his Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we can be what it says here, God with us? Paul later wrote in the book of Colossians, he says, And here it is, Christ with you or Christ in you, the hope of glory. Without realizing and recognizing and remembering that Jesus is my Savior and that I've believed in him and that I've received him and that his Holy Spirit has been sent and is in my life, without remembering and recognizing those things, you see, I struggle. And I have my own personal experience with that because I know I've done it. You've probably done it as well. But when he reminds us at times like this, that he has come to be with us, to save us, to lead us through life, are we willing to let him do that for us? And I pray that tonight we are, allow, we are willing to allow him to be Jesus, to be the Christ, to be Emmanuel in our lives right now, today. And I hope that you will do that tonight if you have never done that before. Lord, Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he has come to be with us. And Lord, we know that you are with us here right now in this place and with those who may be online listening. And God, we love you because you first loved us. And we are overwhelmed by your presence, by how far you went, the extent of your grace and your mercy. Lord, how you reached down to us. And in this story tonight, we have the definition of Christianity. Because religion is man striving to reach God, but here you have demonstrated clearly that it was you reaching down to us. And your word says in other places, it says that you condescended, that you inclined your ear to us, that you bent down to come near, that we might be saved. And Lord, how it it breaks our hearts to look out around us to see friends and family and people in the world struggling and you've served it up on a silver platter as it as it were lord that it's right here for us it's right in front of us jesus the christ the messiah emmanuel and so lord use us make our lights to be lives to be light to this dark world and may we walk with you being with us and may we take your presence wherever we go in our homes, in our workplaces, in the stores, 
and that people, Lord, I, I pray that they would just know, they would see something different in us by how we act, by how we treat people. God, transform our lives to be lives wholly submitted to, to you, to your work, to your word, to your spirit. And we pray this this evening in Jesus' name. Amen.